Well, it was a great visit with Joe and Michelle and Smith and Wallace. Had a delightful time visiting with them. But now it's time to pay the piper for our absence from the farm. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of September 12, 2013. We were gone for exactly a week, and we realized that we, <laughs> we knew we'd expect some things like big okra. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But we kind of assumed that since we don't have any livestock yet, we don't have cows to milk, we don't have chickens, um, our dog we were able to board at the vet, we just kind of assumed, hey, we could go for a week, right? Uh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, what we found when we got back was, uh, well, first I should say, the reason we were gone for a week is that we wanted to be present for the baptism of our grandson, and we were able to do that, and it was just wonderful. Oh, it was. We had a great visit with Joe and Michelle and Smith and Wallace. In Redondo Beach, California, right. where the weather was um, monotonously gorgeous every day. Low humidity. It just felt great. Yeah. People um, there were complaining, by the way, about the heat wave. And you and I just kind of snickered about that. Yeah. And interestingly <laughs> enough, after this wet, wet, wet summer we've had, uh, we had no rain to speak of the entire week we were gone, which, among other things, presented a challenge for your potted plants. Well, that's true. And, and maybe that's one of the first things we should address about our absence. We, um, and we've talked about on previous podcasts that most of our target crops are uh, drip irrigated. We provide water. In fact, we had a watering schedule for all of these things while we were gone, right? Yes. And no problem. But when you've got potted plants that, you know, you're kind of waiting to install somewhere, other than your, uh, we, we should mention that you had already fixed up, rigged up a Yeah, my pecans pecan do have system. drip yeah. irrigation, even though they're in pots. They're still in their containers. But most containers... Um, you know, you, if it doesn't, you, you leave them to the mercy of the elements, which is what I'm used to doing. I put them out, and, and of course, with the wet spring and summer we've had, that's not been a problem. They get plenty of rain. <clears throat> what I did before I left was to take as many of the plants that I had in containers as I had time to do and, and, and kind of knew what I wanted to do with them and went ahead and put them in the ground. And actually, those survived pretty well, but the ones that were simply in containers out and I watered them really well before I left. Uh, some of them just are dead. There's no other word for it, for it. Some are stressed, and I watered them really well last night and this morning, and they'll probably make a comeback. And then, you know, others... A couple of them <clears throat> don't seem to be disturbed by yeah, it at all. Yeah, a couple of them really did okay. So, uh, But we realized that was one casualty of them. We also had set out um, five new trees up the hill... Um, one was a magnolia, which from what I can tell did fine. <clears throat> and I should add that we, we put these trees in the ground back in the early spring. Uh, we had a purple smoke and three crepe myrtles. The crepe myrtles and the purple smoke 
are the ones that are the least happy about our having been gone <laughs> and leaving them with no rain. The um, the the magnolia. I mean, I'm sorry. The um, crepe myrtles showed pretty pronounced signs of distress. But I got out there and watered them today, and and just let some water slowly soak for a long period of time into each tree uh, area, and they have perked right back up. So we're hoping, I, I, I do, you know, we kind of got spoiled this summer because we put those trees in the ground and had all that rain. And as I said, I kind of thought they might already be established, yeah. but not enough. Yeah, they needed some extra water and, and they, they do seem to be responding. So mm -hmm. right. uh, the grass does not appear to have been deterred by the drought at all. It grew and grew and grew while we were gone. So I spent the better part of today mowing all around the barn, up around the lodge, the blueberry strip, veg hill, trying to get the grass under control, and um, I think succeeding. It I mean, looks it, a lot It looks better. okay now. Yeah, yeah. Um, then let's talk about what happened out in the vegetable garden. Uh, the good news is you're calling them second chance beans. I put some beans out late we've talked about that in previous podcasts that in july i planted some beans and they are growing nicely remember they were drip irrigated so they're fine and they're beginning to embrace their trellis they, yeah, they we like put a trellis, trellis up for them not long before we left and so it was a brand new more or less when we left uh, but they have discovered it and given it a big old hug and um, they're doing well and, and same with the peas i planted some purple hull peas and some black eye peas, and they too are trellised. And and I actually, I went out and saw the the faintest hint of a bloom, a blossom on one of the pea plants. So I think it's not too long before we'll begin to have some production there. Uh, tomatoes. We did the um, July tomato planting around mid July, and uh, those plants were the ones I was worried, and I mentioned in the podcast last week that we had the hornworm problem. Before I, The day before I left, I planted, I transplanted basil from a bed where I had lots of tall basil growing and just snuggled that basil right up to each, so that each tomato plant was embraced by a basil plant. And, um, and, and in some cases, when I transplanted them, because they were so unwieldy, I had to actually cut off a good bit of the, the plant, but I still had enough. I can't say that that's what made a difference, but I just saw a little bit more hornworm damage, and but everything else looks pretty good. That is great news. Yeah. So what I don't have are any tomatoes yet. I have a few blooms beginning to show. No fruit, but we're hoping for some production. Your peppers just look as happy as they can be. Uh, big old banana peppers and... Boy, those, um, are they Anaheim? or? Well, there's some Anaheim cayenne. that did really well, the and cayenne. the Cayenne are the ones I think you're thinking. Very thinking small and bright red. Yeah. Yes. Just gorgeous. I use those to make pepper sauce, and I harvested a ton of those today, and I can probably have enough to make two or three more bottles from that. Um, may dry some. The, the only, the real casualty, I did have something that chomped on a couple of them, and then I had some that just, we're over the hill, and I, I may try drying them. I've never Chumped done that before. Chomped on the cayenne? Yeah, who does that? I imagine that's self-limiting behavior. <laughs> One would think. I don't know <laughs> yeah. that you'll get a lot of damage on the cayenne peppers. Okay, no. it's time to talk about the okra. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know, I had a nightmare while we were gone. And I'm telling the truth. I really did. That I went out into my garden and I saw okra that was a foot long. And, you know, the tree was filled with all this huge okra. That dream wasn't too far off. No, it was pretty close. <laughs> we ha- uh, You know, what they say about okra is it needs to be well picked. And yes. we've talked about that before. Yes. Okra needs to be well picked, meaning... Frequently, you stay on top of it. You pick those pods before they get to be too big. Well, obviously, gone seven days as we were. We fell completely behind on that. And the okra responded by going bonkers. It was big. But I did have some that I plant that I clipped tonight, and I'll probably cook it tomorrow, that is moderate to small size. We'll be able to continue eating it. It is now well-picked. I can tell you, but we, um, and I think you took a picture of this. It was so heavy with huge okra pods that it bowed over. It was (laughs) (laughs) horizontal okra. (laughs) Sort of like a a peach tree that's got too much fruit on it, kind of bends over. This is what happened to the okra. But I think we can get back um, on track with the okra till until, at least until it ends its season. And, you know, this okra, I've mentioned this before, I didn't plant my normal uh, complement of okra because of the vole problem, but I put four, count them, four transplants of okra in the ground, and we've gotten all this food, enough to feed the two of us, from yeah. t- from four plants. And when we bring them down, I will need the chainsaw to do it. They're huge. Yeah, they're big around. So, yeah. so it's kind of interesting when you keep up with it. I mean, last year I had so much okra, I was really a slave to it, and now I'm not. You know, it's just so I, I've learned that um, Aristotle's golden mean, once again, is a principle I want to live by, you know, or Ben Franklin, who says moderation in all things. You don't need too much okra. You need enough. The uh, muscadines had already begun to ripen when we left eight days ago. Um, and we, in fact, were able to take some muscadines to the Joe Bordens out in California and Smith and Joe and Michelle loved them. Um, they when we by the time we got back, they were peaking, and I don't think we lost much fruit in the absence here. Um, it, it, it they're basically ready to harvest in mass now, so uh, they're looking really good. We they're do delicious. have some that are uh, strangely slow to ripen. We've got some black beauty out there that still is not ripe now. And here we are, the last week of September. I guess it's no, because... No, it's not the last week of September. I'm sorry. It's the middle of it? September. Middle of September. Yeah, you're right. Middle of September. So maybe I shouldn't be worried about it. But it is, I think, unusually slow to ripen. I don't think you should be worried. And the nice thing about it is some of the black beauty is ripe, and it's delicious, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so... It's, we've sort of staggered it enough that we prolong our season. So I'm delighted to see what's developed. There. And then we've got some Granny Val that's still very hard. It's not anywhere near ripe. And so I'm guessing the Granny Val probably won't be ripe until, you know, in mass until well into October. Which is great guess. as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we picked the last of the apples today. We had three Carter's Blue Apples that we were sort of waiting around on, and we decided to go ahead and pull them today. So that does it for the apples. We're finished with them for the season. And we're almost finished with the pears. We took. Um, we only have one tree that still has pears on it, and it's one of our Orient pears. 
And I think we picked maybe three pairs from it right. today and, and have two about, or three left. Yeah, or three or four left. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we expect to have our first taste of Asian persimmons this oh, year. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> We're real excited about that. It's been, what, three years in the ground? Right. Um, yeah. And it seemed like forever. We had a couple of persimmons on the tree last year, but they dropped before they ripened, so we never got a taste of one. But uh, we've got enough now that I think surely one or two will make it to the ripening stage and we'll be able to taste some. We, put, we found another fig today that was ripe. One fig. Yeah, <laughs> the, on the brown turkey. And we have some um, figs coming on on the two LSU blacks up the hill and the Papa John that's up the hill. So, so we'll, that's an, another crop that I'm glad it sort of spreads itself out a little bit. You bet. It's nice to have it um, stretching the season out for us. Made a delightful discovery this morning uh, dealing with the compost. We have a compost volunteer cherry tomato. Now, in order for a tomato to be a compost volunteer, that means it has to come up from seed and be true to type. And we obviously had some seeds. You know, I have been planting heirloom cherry tomatoes the past several years. So does not surprise me that we would have one that's true to type. Okay, so it's less surprising to you than it was to me. I didn't realize we had been doing that. So that's great news. We've got a, a cherry tomato that is tasty, that we can uh, save seed and plant in future years. And uh, we've decided to call it turkey blossom. Right. So that'll be our long leaf breeze uh, cherry tomato that is unique to us, and we hope will get better and better as the years go by. Well, the one I tasted was wonderful, so if that's any uh, sign that we might be able to develop um, a nice, hearty tomato that's adapted to our farm conditions here, that's a good sign. Exactly. We hope you have a good week. We're counting down the days now as we get close to fall, and personally, I can't wait. So have a good one, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.